Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to History Lab. I'm Dr. Ali Roman, and today we're talking about Viking ships. How do we know what Viking ships look like? Well, there's a few ways. Uh, one is that Viking ships, first of all, who were the Vikings? Let's take a look at who the Vikings were. The Vikings were seafaring people in from Scandinavia, Norway, Sweden, Finland today, more Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Iceland. And they developed a certain uh, notoriety, fame, but also notoriety, kind of like a kind of like a negative type of fame, around the world in the seven, eight, nine, and ten hundreds of the common era. And they were known around the world because they would sail from Scandinavia uh, down through Europe, including Spain, from England down into Spain. Um, through Germany, uh, through the rivers of Europe, the Danube, and uh, what is now Russia, they would sail down the Volga River, and they would raid different cities and towns and return with whatever they could find. And so, one of the one of some of the best preserves, some of the best preserved coins of the Middle Eastern empires, you can see here on the map, the Abbasid Caliphate. Some of the best preserved coins are found up in Scandinavia today because the Vikings uh, collected those coins, which were uh, highly valued gold coins and silver coins, and they stored them and they would buy and sell things with those coins. And so here on this map, the Vikings had different trade routes. Some of the trade routes of a particular variety of Vikings known as the Farangians, they included uh, what is the Volga trade route in red. So it goes from the Balt, this is the Baltic Sea here, which on one side has Norway and Sweden. On the other side, you can see Poland and Germany. And in the eight, nine, ten hundreds, the Vikings would sail uh, along the eastern side of the Baltic Sea. And then they would sail through what is around today, St. Petersburg. And then they would sail through again today in Russia, what is now um, the province of uh, Tataristan in Kazan. The city of Kazan today exists in Tataristan in Russia. And then they would sail down the Volga River. And this is the Black Sea here. And then over here is the Caspian Sea. So today the Black Sea is what connects the Crimean Peninsula and uh, Ukraine and Russia with Turkey. In the northeastern part of Turkey is the Caucasus region, like Georgia, and then beyond uh, Iraq down here is Iran. So the Caspian Sea is a major center of oil and gas. There's Baku, Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan is a Turkish-speaking and also Russian-speaking uh, Caucasus country, and the Volga River connects this whole region up um, to Russia and then St. Petersburg and then, the, and then the, the Baltic Sea. So the Vikings would sail down here and some of the earliest documentation that historians have found of the Vikings actually exists in Arabic because in the eight, nine, ten hundreds, Arabic speaking writers who traveled up north um, in the most northernmost regions of the Islamic empires, as they settled into a lot of these more tribal regions and these ancient kingdoms, uh, they ran into and they documented uh, their encounters with 
people they refer to in Arabic as the Rus people. And the Rus people, the, the word Rus is one of the ancient words that refers to um, some of these uh, Viking, Viking peoples who spoke Old Norse. Old Norse, the closest language today to Old Norse is Icelandic. Icelandic is connected with uh, Swedish and Danish and Norwegian. Icelandic is a kind of archaic, older version of Norwegian, Swedish, and Danish. And uh, it's closer to Old Norse, which is the origin language of Norwegian, Swedish, Danish, and Icelandic language. Um, so some of the writings of the Vikings and poets and writers who lived at, at the time survive today in writings like the, uh, the Icelandic sagas. The Icelandic sagas are Icelandic versions of old uh, Viking era stories. So kind of interesting. And so you, we know about the Vikings and their writings and their stories from uh, people who met them in the Arabic language. And then we know about them through these writings that survive in Icelandic and other languages around the world. And, and also Greek. So I think in Greek, the Varangians, a particular variety of Vikings are referred to as the Varangi. So how do we, how do we know about their ships? How do we know um, what they look like? The way we know about their ships is because um, is through archeological excavation. The Vikings buried their ships, which is interesting. And here's an article by a scholar named Rachel Morgan in The Collector. Um, and the article reads, how the title is, How Were Viking Ships Built and Buried? Viking ships are iconic artifacts. The construction of Viking ships, the innovation of the sail, and the ritual of burying them offers insight into the priorities of the mysterious Norse. Now that's kind of interesting. Uh, what's interesting here is that the Vikings buried their ships. So a bit like the ancient Egyptians when they would um, bury certain rulers uh, with a lot of their items that they owned and preparing them for the afterlife that they believed in um, in accordance with particular ancient Egyptian understandings of the afterlife. The uh, Vikings would bury a lot of the leaders and also regular people with some of their belongings and in some cases with the entire ship. And so some of those ships have um, been unearthed and there are other ships that survive because they, um, they uh, were preserved in certain types of uh, environmental regions where the, the, um, the level of oxygen is very low and the, the kinds of, so particularly bogs. So if we look at this example here, um, this is a, 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 an Iron Age, so this is kind of an ancient ship um, from a region known as, in Denmark, known as Hjortspring. This particular ship was actually preserved in a bog. So this was not buried underground, um, and uh, this was not unearthed because it was buried underground. This was discovered because it was buried in a bog. So what is a bog? A bog is a particular type of wetland that uh, has very low oxygen levels and is very acidic. And they are famous in the world of archeology span because um, just like mummies, bodies that have um, ended up in one way or another in bogs 
from the ancient world have been very well preserved uh, like mummies because of the, the low oxygen level and the high acidity. That low oxygen level and the high acidity creates a kind of um, uh, state or, or uh, conditions that preserves, that, that prevents bodies and um, just organic matter from decomposing. This can be bodies or this can be ships. And so in this case, in the case of the Hjordspring boat, uh, which is preserved today in the National Museum of Denmark. So here's the actual boat. And you can see that it's not a complete boat. Only part of it has been preserved. It has been preserved. Uh, the wood was well preserved in this bog because of the low oxygen levels and the high acidity. So one way that um, uh, uh, boats are discovered are through um, burial practices where some bones are actually just buried in the earth and another way that they are um, preserved are through um, bogs and so this is one boat that was discovered in a bog um, and let's take a look at another boat that was discovered in um, this is a more famous boat the boat of let's take a look at what this is called this is the boat of um, a more a, a more a better preserved ship, the Gokstad ship. Now, the Gokstad ship was a was a boat that was buried, a Viking boat that was buried, um, discovered underground in Norway, uh, in in a region that was frozen. So this is a uh, region called Gokstadhaugen, and it's an area of Norway, Sweden, Norway. It's an area of Norway where some farmers were digging through frozen ground and they, under, they uncovered the front of the ship, the bow of the boat. And um, excavators, archaeologists began excavating the mound and they eventually found the entire ship. And you can see here that the ship is extremely well preserved, the, the so-called Gokstad ship. And what we learn from this is how exactly the Vikings built their boats. And in, back in those days, there were two ways of um, building the, the hull of a boat. One way was the so-called uh, clinker method. So let's take a look at that. The clinker method of building boats was where uh, different pieces of plank were laid, not edge to edge, but they were um, the edges of one side would be on top of the other, and then steel or rather iron rivets would be um, nailed into these two pieces to keep them together. There were other types of ships in the ancient world that were called carvel built um boats and these used a frame you can see the frame here um to create the uh shape of the outer hull and then these planks would be placed side to side and a type of sealant type of caulking sealant would be placed between the planks to keep water out now over time uh and when it comes to shipbuilding technology the carvel built approach to building ships um, became more popular than clinker built ships because clinker built ships um, could not hold as much weight and they were not able to uh, be constructed um, large enough uh, 
for the kind of cargoes that eventually were used in the age of exploration, um, cargo ships that were used in the age of, the age of exploration, kind of traveling from Spain to the Americas, um, to the Philippines. So pretty interesting that the, that the uh, Viking ships used a clinker style technology with rivets, uh, iron rivets, and they, um, and so the boats that were uh, excavated by archaeologists from these bogs and also from uh, frozen underground regions used this particular clinker built technology. So we know how what these boats look like because they were buried um, by the ship owners underground with as part of the burial sites. And we know what they look like because of these bogs that preserved them. Now, what's interesting is that for archaeologists, it's difficult to, um, because these boats often would decompose organic wooden matter underground and also in these bogs. One of the interesting things that um, a lot of the recent research has shown is that you can actually use um, what was known as a CAT scan or a CT scan, you can actually use CT scan technology when it comes to boats that were buried underground to actually build a digital image of the entire Viking ship. So in this, in this article um, called titled A Digital Reconstruction of the Yelestad Viking Ship will be complete within this year, within the next year. In this article, uh, it says, it reads, experts are currently digitizing the 1,400 rivets that were removed from the Viking ship. So in this case, there was a, there was a ship that was uh, discovered in a particular region. You can see it here. It was buried underground, maintained by presumably colder weather. And um, they, are, they cannot quite remove all of the pieces of the ship from the soil because it will damage the pieces in the process. So what they try to do is archaeologists and excavators, they try to extract from the soil um, the, uh, they try to extract, they try to pull out from the ground the soil around the parts of the, of the, uh, of the boat. So it reads here, the excavation of the Yelestad ship. Now, where's Yelestad in Norway? Yelestad ship was the first of its kind in Norway in more than 100 years. It was completed in the autumn of 2021. The part of the ship that's preserved was just over 19 meters long and a little more than four meters wide. We probably have to add one or two meters to the length since the soil was plowed, which means that the majority of the two stems are missing. Um, says this person, um, I don't know how to pronounce that, Christian Loxen Rodstrud. Let's see how this is pronounced in Google Translate. Let's take a look. It is pronounced um, from Danish. Christian Luxen Rodsrud. Is this a Danish person or a Swedish person? This is a, uh, it looks like it is a Norwegian person. All right, let's try this in Norwegian. Norwegian, Norwegian. Let's go back. All right, let's, let's not figure out how to pronounce. I think this is actually Danish. All right, this is Danish. Christian Luxen Rodsrud. All right, because of the, um, the letter O here. Christian Luxen Rødstrud. Christian Luxen Rødstrud. So this guy tells us that um, the ship is not entirely preserved and because the soil was damaged. He's an archaeologist at the Museum of Cultural History, which the Viking Age Museum is part of, and the project manager for the excavation of the Yelstad. So what's interesting here is that they are using 
So beyond the question of, um, beyond the story of um, these ships are, are, we know what these ships looked like because they were buried uh, underground by their owners and by, by the families and friends of the people who passed away. And we also know what they look like from uh, these bogs that preserved parts of these ships. There's more to that story, which is that uh, we also know what these ships look like because of digital reconstructions of these ships. So digital reconstruction in this case has allowed archeologists to use CT scans, or which we know CT scans when people are trying to have like a CAT scan, let's say of the heart, a person's heart to see the condition of their arteries. If there's any kind of calcium, there's a kind of calcium scan one can do to see if a person has uh, heart disease or clogged arteries. Here in this case, you're using CAT scan to, um, to see through the soil because you don't want to uncover, you don't want to remove all the soil and the process damage all the parts of the boat. In this case, they discovered not only the planks of the boat, but also they discovered um, 1,400 rivets. So it says here, when the excavation was completed, the archaeologists were left with around 8,000 finds and fragments, including almost 1,400 rivets. And so here they are, they are now scanning all the rivets. By scanning all the rivets, you can now see um, like a like a puzzle piece. You can see what where the planks um, uh, met in this clinker style construction of a boat. It says here, together with the other digital documentation made during the excavation, the team will be able to recreate an almost exact digital reconstruction of the Viking ship. It says here, when the excavation was completed, the archaeologists were left with 8,000 finds, which I just read. Reconstructing the, reconstructing the ship, the article reads, this is not just important in a Norwegian context, but also across Scandinavia and the areas where the same ship technology was in use. Such a digital reconstruction will provide unique and broader knowledge about shipbuilding traditions in the Viking Age. Now that sounds kind of interesting in, as, as far as just understanding the history of shipbuilding technology. It is potentially interesting when it comes to the question of <clears throat> innovation, because many times modern innovations um, draw on um, either things like nature, they call that biomimicry, when like uh, airplanes are designed to um, emulate uh, kind of like natural technology in the world, like bird birds and their flight patterns and how they fly. But also sometimes innovators will look back in the past, um, uh, like we know Steve Jobs and the designers of modern Apple computers were very fascinated by the history of calligraphy for fonts and whatnot. So likewise, um, airplanes draw uh, and their rudders, um, which facilitate steering, do draw on um, the rudders in history of ships, shipbuildings and, and boats. So they are recreating, they are digitizing uh, this boat to have a, a model for what this boat looked like. And in the process, they will be able to um, have a clear, a 100% clear sense of what exactly this boat looked like. So that's pretty interesting. And, uh, and that's more or less the answer to our question. How do we know what Viking ships look like? We have examples that were unearthed from these bogs, these wetlands. And then we have examples that were unearthed from uh, the ground in this frozen Swedish and Norwegian territories uh, where farmers have run into these boats underground. And we have CT technology that is used not only in um, modern healthcare contexts 
or for scanning Egyptian mummies, like in this article, in this journal article here, but also for um, scanning soil where parts of ships are found within it. In the bonus episode, we will get into more of the story of clinker built and Carville built uh, boats. One of the interesting stories there is that the age of exploration was built, was uh, oriented heavily around a type of boat that um, has a connection with uh, these um, Viking ships. Interestingly, if you look up on Wikipedia, Viking ships, and if you look up the word cog, <clears throat> it says here that um, there's a particular type of Viking ship known as the Canar. And if you look at what these Canar ships looked like, they were, I believe these were, these were clinker built ships. It says here, Canar is a type of Norse merchant ship used by the Vikings. The Canar was constructed using the same clinker built methods as long ships and other Viking ships. Now the, the Canar ship, um, had an impact on a later ship used by the Hanseatic League, which were basically kind of German type language speaking peoples uh, of the Baltic Sea uh, in the 10, 11, 1200s, who dominated a lot of Baltic exchange trade at the same time when the uh, Venetians and the Genoese were dominating uh, a lot of Mediter Mediterranean trade. So the cog ship used by the Hanseatic League, if I click on cog here, you can see that it kind of looks a bit like um, those Viking ships. And the cog ship uh, were made of oak. And in a bonus episode, we'll get into how the cog ship uh, helped pave the way for the larger um, Portuguese carracks, which were the types of ships that were used during the age of exploration that had very high walls and that were used to sail across the Atlantic Ocean. Um, during the age of exploration. <clears throat>